Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike Wong, co-host also, Mike, on the line. An Oscar race checkpoint once again. The New York Film Critics Circle has given out their awards. We also have some news for the Oscars and their presentation, as well as a couple big trailers that we are going to recap in this episode. And also, Mike has a bunch of movies he will be making the case for and against. Uh, That's pretty much your Oscar race checkpoint in a nutshell, Michael. Yeah, this is an Oscar race checkpointing season, too. I mean, December, yep. We're doing one after another another we got some really cool stuff coming next week like the bifas uh into emancipation and pinocchio being released into nbr and afi top 10 lists and then the week after that we got critics choice and globe nominations and my god it's happening mike it's happening we're getting everything down the pike and all throughout we will be getting uh, i'm sure critics associations from everywhere we're gonna we're gonna learn about the geography of the united states based on all of the capitals like this is when i remember all the capital cities in that do song everything that our public school system has pal- failed to do that's for right. us in our formative years i yeah. learned the states i learned mm-hmm. about the capitals i learned about all the major cities of the united states because each one of them has a critics association and they and they give out awards so it's fun for us to uh to track that it is yeah uh Jessica Blum, who was a, uh, a buddy of ours, he, she writes, and we, her and I email back and forth. Uh, she emailed us to tell us that she also hated the Fablemans as well. She doesn't understand it, but she was in your corner now. She wants Top Gun to win it all just to watch the world. Nice. So. I, uh, I think Top Gun is not a Heath Ledger, Ledger Joker pick, may I add. It is a fun, happy drink, a large, <laughs> large sweet tea. <laughs> What? Kind of, I don't know. I don't drink sweet tea. I was gonna say diet coke, but I'm trying to give up diet coke. You're not a sweet tea guy. But it's like, but all right, fine. It's a large what? It's a large Budweiser. It's a Bud heavy. And yeah, what's wrong with watch that? It drunk. <laughs> it's better drunk. I agree. I'm, uh, listen, I, it's it's grown on me. The idea of that winning has absolutely grown on me. In the last, like I, it seems like we have all these big could be award contenders that have all just kind of. Yeah, Ben Meh. Well, so. a lot of uh, films have underperformed in our yeah. eyes, certainly. We'll, we'll and see. in the box office's eyes, on top of it. And we'll, yeah, we'll see what the Academy thinks. Uh, we do have some Academy Awards news to, to start this sucker, though, Mike. Look at you with the transition there and say, telling me, <laughs> hey, Mike, once, let's fucking go here. Stop hey, Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Time for newsy. Less talky talky, more newsy newsy. The 95th Oscars will be broadcasting all 23 awards, which has been uh, a staple of the Oscars up until last year where they did that pre-packaged hour before the Oscars thing. Where the they- Golden Shower? That was, what, yeah, what eight golden... awards was it? Seven awards? What did they do? Eight, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I think eight sounds right to me, too. But they gave out eight awards prior to the Oscars telecast. They tried working those video packages into the Oscars telecast. That will not be the case this year. An exclusive from our buddy Jazz Tangay there over at Variety. Uh, she quotes Bill Kramer, the Academy CEO. He says, quote, I can confirm that all categories will be included in the live telecast. 
Yeah, people say it was called the Golden Shower. <laughs> people tell me that was part of Jazz's article uh, as well. No, that guy uh, knows a thing. Ja- Jazz's shower. piece went on to remind us that quote the news comes after eight different Oscar categories: original score, makeup and hairstyling, documentary short, film editing, production design, animated short, live action short, and sound were cut from the main telecast at the 2022 Academy Awards, leading to much outrage across the film industry. Unquote. Great. Okay. Sure. Give all 23 awards their time. Put them in the live telecast. Present them. I'm all for it. Now, innovate. Come up with something. Learn from the Gothams that spoken word credits are only going to turn viewers off. Do the running scroll thing at the bottom that you've suggested for years already, Mike. Or do the video package for the USC Film School. Have them put something together. Limit name drops to heartfelt mentions of three people. Just try something. To get this to not be a list of names and people who shouldn't be making jokes, trying to make jokes off the cuff here. We've said here at MMO for a long time, we're in favor of all 23 awards being shown, but you got to do something to make them more entertaining and fun. Yeah, have Billy Crystal and Bette Midler doing a song and dance number throughout the uh, throughout the aisles. Right, yeah, just or actually giving Oscars. sword fighting. Yeah, yeah, just sword fighting with the Oscars before sure. they give them away <laughs> to the various recipients. And best short film goes to him. And best live action short goes to her. Give your speech. She holds the microphone in front of their faces for seconds, maybe a second. They go, mm-hmm. thank you. And they cut off before the, they get the word out, you out. And then yeah. you're right. And then you give Todd Field and his hat. 40 minutes oh, to give his best director speech. Fucking, I haven't hated a hat as much as I've seen the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> it was the Blues Traveler hat, by the way. You're ab- no, you're I know, right. I know. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> and my uncle has the same hat. I'm just saying. I'm just saying these are facts. Uh, I, I'm certainly on the record of agreeing with you about the innovation. I've suggested many of my own harebrained uh, production ideas to do this as well. Not that one. I want to go with that one. Uh, I mm-hmm. submit, I hear to with, forthwith submit that idea Bette Midler, Billy Crystal, Through the Aisles musical number. Maybe the best idea you've had yet. Ultimately, I think you're dealing with the reality television factor, and that is a double-edged sword. However you slice it, if you have reality television, if you have unscripted pieces to this broadcast, which you always do, which is both the charm and the curse of this award show, of any award show for that matter, you're going to have to deal with the highs and lows that come with it. Uh, But whatever happens, I mean, at least we know there's just going to be no, like, spikes or or valleys with that, right? I mean, nobody's going to read the wrong card. Nobody's not going to show up to receive the final award of the night. And and nobody's going to, you know, retread uh, Rick James jokes. In, in the biggest moments, uh, I forget what that joke was, but I mean, look, I just you got to deal with the bullshit is, is ultimately what ha- what has to happen here. And you got to deal with the lows. That's for sure. You just got to do something. I mean, for a show that's guaranteed, I mean, they want to contain it to three hours, right? That's been one of their new pledges here. And that has not been the case, and part of that not being the case is if they go through the full pomp and circumstance of all these undercard categories. And yes, these people absolutely deserve mention and deserve merit, and they deserve their moment in the sun, but you got to do something to speed this along. you got to do something to speed the whole process along. I want to thank Morgan Dufflin and Kim Richards and... (laughs) Joanne Fabric and I hope we have a guy named Morgan Duffman who listens to <laughs> just us. Just reading off a sweaty piece of paper and I hate it. 
I mean, some of those speeches are just, I mean, we got to turn them into drinking games, I think. You and me. Every time someone pe- takes out a piece of paper, yeah. we drink a fifth of vodka. <laughs> no? Per page. <laughs> so in Todd's Fields' case, we die of alcohol poisoning early in the night. But look at I mean, you're going to have to deal with an Oscars being a minimum length of, I think, four hours nowadays for them to get Good what they God. need to get done. So it's basically the length of an Avatar 2. Yeah, Avatar. <laughs> Plus the longest PP that you have to take after the film about the way of water. Which is also an issue. Like, you shouldn't... A movie contending for Best Picture should not be the length of the Academy Awards presentation. No, but they are. They are. Babylon is even worse, by the way. We can't live... I can't do this. I'm not seeing these movies this year. I'm I'm on strike. (laughs) Last year, last year, the 94th, hilariously went three hours and 40 minutes because they cut the categories. Uh, Before that... (laughs) 93rd was was 3 hours 19 minutes, 92nd 36, 91st 21 minutes, 90th 3 hours 53 minutes, my god. The 89th was 3 hours 49 minutes. That was the moonlight year. They had some reasons for going overtime. Otherwise, it's kind of averaged, I guess, 335, 330 over the last 20 years or so. So it started at 6 o'clock Eastern. Right. Treat it like the Super Bowl. Treat it like a longer event. I think all of us junkies have been saying that for a while. Otherwise, you're just going to have to deal with the double-edged sword of it, which was something that we just kind of dealt with with the raw and hilarious and ridiculous Gotham Awards. We we just saw the peaks and valleys of a purely live broadcast, essentially. And you get... You get a macrocosms of that microcosm at the Oscars. I don't yeah. know if I use those words correctly. No, I think that's absolutely right, and I'm not going to double-check you or <laughs> think about it again. Uh, a movie that hopes to contend for Oscars this year and has certainly done its part in the publicity push this past week is Emancipation from Antoine Fuqua starring... can't remember who the lead in that is. Uh, the first reactions for that Will Smith vehicle have dropped, and they're not great they're not great and this was a bit surprising after we had seen emancipation in some of our favorite pundits top 10 list best Mm -hmm. picture 10s a lot of projections out there that have been touting this film as being a a contender and yet 53 percent on rotten tomatoes 38 reviews is the initial wave with only a 57 meta score which goes to convince me more of the middling reviews than an initial percentage on Rotten Tomatoes would, Michael. But Emancipation had its premiere. It's gone limited release. It's doing its Oscar qualifying run, not near us, but uh, out in theaters. And uh, Will Smith has done his press tour promoting the film. And the highest profile interview of those was on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. It was a kind interview to Smith. I mean, Trevor Noah and Will Smith apparently are friends in real life. It, it, it wasn't like the harshest critique, but Trevor Noah did his part as well to kind of put things into perspective for people who may be casting disbursements on Will Smith still to this day. Uh, Smith had a couple of good pull quotes, though. Mike, you want to start us off? Well, the the first one I'm going to start us off with is I've got airplane eyes. And he was crying this whole interview, and I wrote a yeah, huge paragraph. I was like, why is he crying? And then I was like, Oh, he's got like some allergies to the airplanes, and okay, I mean, I get it. I was like, I was going through, I was going down rabbit holes, Michael. I was like, is this guy just this broken up about everything, and this he's just that on edge? Or I was thinking, wait a minute, 
oh my God, am I going to sleuth here, uncover the fact that he planted fake teardrops in his eyes like broadcast <laughs> news? Remember William Hurt? William Hurt and broadcast news? Yeah. Did he just do that and he's having a he's having a prop malfunction? No, of course not. He's got airplane eyes or that was an ingenious lie to cover up the fact that he did, in fact, do the broadcast news thing. No, I look, they started the promotion. <laughs> they started this promotional interview portion of the of the show with talking about emancipation as a film. And he bookended that interview, like you said. It was a kind interview. And, and they said, like, the lesson from the movie is that love is actually a superpower. It gets, gets this character, who's a real-life uh, historical uh, legendary hero, home to his family. Uh, quote, it's not another slavery movie. When he's talking to his daughter, he, Will Smith said, I, I would not make a slavery mo- movie, honey. I, I'm making a freedom movie. And these are beautiful quotes and, a, and, a, and an incredible way to promote the film, I, I thought. Yeah, it was a 21-minute interview. The first nine minutes were strictly about the film and the selling and the marketing of the film pretty much. Uh, and then we got into, you know, the Will Smith of it all. And I don't know, time and apologies heal all wounds, right? We're almost nine months removed from the slap now. We still haven't heard from Chris Rock. We will hear from Chris Rock at some point in early 2023 when he does Netflix's first live streamed stand-up special. Which is going to happen right around the time where we're busy for some reason. I forget. What do we have on our calendar? <laughs> Can't it's remember. something I got to do. Damn. But this is still not the Will Smith we all grew up with. I mean, look, when he said I got airplane eyes, I took it as something completely different. I thought it meant that he was saying he looks like he's high because he's crying so much and his eyes are wet. Well, that's red another and, theory. You know, that's that's what I thought. But, like, he was clearly welling up the entire interview and he, he was trite and and condensed he looked very very sorry still and he was very guarded this isn't the pre-packaged formulaic you know fresh prince that we've all known and love over the years prior to last march it was a it was awkward at times because this is this is not an awkward man this is a guy right. who's 40 plus or 40 years in the business 38 to 40 mm-hmm. years in the business right i mean he started very young so he's done hundreds of these promotional interviews uh, to promote what you know his stardom and and, right. and all of his projects. So when he kind of drifts in and out of his shtick and his funny witty banter, and then oh my god, I gotta really get serious. It was awkward to see him do that, but going back and forth, it really was. It was yes. jarring for me because then like he's promoting the film, and then he there's a little banter, and then quote that was a horrific night, as you can imagine. There's many nuances and complexities to it. Like he gets into you know, the kind of the statement, the post-Oscars apology, mea, mea culpa stuff. At the end of the day, I lost it. And I believe him. I do. I do believe him. And he, he does seem like he's a mess over it all. But, like, it's still it's still something that's going to have to play out over a longer period of time, I feel. No, I mean, we're, we're, we're taking what he says, and he is saying all the right things. Nothing justifies my behavior that night. You're you're asking what I did learn. We just got to be nice to each other, man. I Mm -hmm. mean, he's saying all the right things in a way, but I don't know. Trevor Noah's not really the guy that's pressing him. Like, this is not a hardcore journalism interview. This is a friend doing another friend, a major solid. And, And Trevor Noah also brought up the fact that he's friends with Chris Rock as well. So I think that's kind of the crux of it all for me. I... Chris Rock has a lot of power here. Mm-hmm. And if Chris Rock comes out and he like buries the hatchet, then I think it's going to be a lot easier for everyone to just move on. Right. Uh, if Chris Rock, you know, is still hurt, 
mentally and emotionally by this, as he has every right to be. I mean, he was an innocent guy who got assaulted. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, and, and Trevor Noah basically is like, what you did was effed up. I'm friends yeah. with Chris. I'm friends with you. Uh, I was uh, watching this asking, what is Will doing? But I was also frustrated. You know, I'm paraphrasing Trevor Noah now, which maybe I shouldn't. But he was like, I w- people were overreacting and people were underreacting in the moment on on, on social media. And, and he you gave Will Smith day. a ton of leeway. Yeah. Yeah, he, you know, Will Smith said that was a rage that's been bottled up for me inside of me for a long time. Uh, I took my heart and made it hard for other people. And Trevor Noah kind of played on that being like, you know, this is a guy who is. I was thinking of Nickelback, actually, throughout this when Trevor Noah was talking to him because he was making the case that. Well, (laughs) follow me here, because how does that remind me? Of what I really <laughs> that am. No, I like that. that was good. <laughs> That's not uh, even weird. He, he was he was saying how it had become common and accepted in the public discourse to kind of just shit on Will Smith and his family and Jada and all that because of you know the the situationship she talked about with with cheating on him or whatever you want to call it the open relationship they had and Will Smith and like he was saying how like it had just become commonplace and cool to take your jabs at Will Smith and he just had to sit there and take it all. Yeah, and he was never allowed to speak up or say anything or act out in any way. And then he had all this rage boiling up inside of him over that. And they made the point that you never really know what somebody next to you is going through. And I'm sure that played into part of Will Smith's thinking on what he was going through that night, as a matter of fact. So like, yeah, it kind of reminded me of Nickelback. Like Nickelback never did anything wrong, except they made rock music and it just became commonplace and accepted in the public discourse to shit on them all the time. And you know, it's, it's, I don't know why that becomes okay, but, Will Smith is still a human being. Did Nickelback like slap somebody on an award show or something? I don't no, know. What ha- Nickelback okay, so never, no, like, never uh, lashed out. Right. Okay. They, they, Chad Kroger has still just taken it. But I'm just saying in okay. the ways that like the, the public decides to just demonize people for no reason or for little reason, I guess. Look, it, there are reasons. Weird. Nickelback just kind of drifted. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Look, it, I, I, this interview was kind to him, and I'm sure the Will Smith – publicity team are very happy with how this interview number one touted the film and number two gave will smith a chance to, to really get things off of his chest in a natural sounding conversation to to, to an extent because trevor noah is a very good interviewer in this regard it, it's, it, it is a bit of a puff piece type of journalism fine they're friends sure. that's fine we get it Trevor Noah gives him space to talk about his book and talk about his childhood. Right. And there's a lot of legitimate tragedy there. He, he does. I mean, Trevor sure. Noah brings up the fact that, that that all the stuff that you just said, right, to the point where Will Smith can then explain the fact that he was going through something uh, and all the shitty things that, that were being said about Will Smith and Trevor Noah's words. That's not an excuse. And like you said already, he said that plenty of times throughout. And Will Smith not, says that as, right. as well. It's, it, right. You get, again, you get what you expect to hear. And it, it was awkward for me to watch this this interview because it's like Will Smith going through the movie star promotional interview mm-hmm. face and then, oh my God, this is also my mea culpa. I'm still apologizing for phase of the interview and that's my face for that and then and then you actually get some real moments in here where he's like my little nephew sweetest boy sitting in my yeah. lap after the oh, oscars because trevor's knows like what happened right after the oscars and and will smith is like i remember you know my nephew holding the oscar trophy and asking me why'd you hit that man uncle will in my in my kitchen you know with my family yeah. you know so it seems like it was 
it was a bad night even still. And yet, you know, of course, we remember the the dancing at the parties and whatnot and how right. bad of a look that was. So it's just right. a really and, and, just and, and it's, bipolar it's situation. Yeah, it, it is, but it's it's so complicated with all these layers, too, because, like, he has been this guy. Like, the moments where he, do, where he isn't serious and he is, like, the old Will Smith, yeah, it is jarring, but it's so jarring because... He's never had to, like, nobody's had to deal with this kind of juxtaposition before, where you're still in front of all the cameras, still making movies and coming off this incident, which is a, a borderline tragedy. It could have been tragic in terms of the Oscars had Chris Rock not held it together the way he did. Right. But, like, you still do have to sell the movie, so you still do have to be the movie star, and you only know how to be a movie star for one way your entire life, versus when you're talking about the serious subject, you have to be so contrite, and you, I'm sure he does feel a ton of shame about it. It's just... It's a weird, weird, bizarre situation. Yeah, I want the I want the Oscars to get like some really famous person streaking, or you know, a controversy that's fun or something silly. Like, can we get a fun controversy? Like the Moonlight controversy was fun to a point, and then it was awkward because the La La Land guy gave his entire acceptance speech, right? Like, if he didn't give his entire acceptance speech and he went, oopsie, they gave the wrong <laughs> award, like, almost immediately, and then the Moonlight people came on yeah. and they're, oh, my God, it was so yeah. fun. But, no, that was the, to me, that was the awkwardest part. But, anyway, I just, like, I want the Oscars to have a, can we have a fun controversy and get, like, that element of reality television? This is, uh, I mean, that's what I'm rooting for this year, Mike, yeah, right? Let- Get cousin Sal to streak on stage, and this we have the perfect host to set something like that up. The king of the uh, the troll videos, the king of the setups. You know, Jimmy Kimmel is going to be hosting this year, so yeah. yeah we, I mean, we could hold our breath. Now, one last quote from yeah. Will Smith here, uh, just talking about emancipation, speaking for Fuqua and the entire cast and his co-stars. He said, "I hope that their work in this movie will not be tainted based on a horrific decision on my part." I think that's important to note. And I, do you feel like the reception for this movie has been separate from Will Smith or do you feel like it's all intertwined so far? Well, we're going to see the movie this week mm-hmm. and we're going to have to make that call for ourselves because I think, you know, one of the wiser things Eric Weber has said on uh midnight movie talk and something that he's tweeted is that sometimes there's the opposite of a parade. Sometimes there's a piling on Yes, with critics and especially Rotten Tomato scores, critics that is very are true. easily swayed, and this is something we've said in the past in in other iterations. It's a parade and a black parade, like My Chemical it, Romance tried to warn us about all those years ago. And people feel comfortable to just pile on a movie yep. just because there's a controversy associated with the movie. They feel like they can punch down. It's great. Maybe point. maybe that maybe that's happening here. Maybe it's not. We don't know. We haven't seen the film yet, so we're gonna have to kind of hold our you know, two cents back, I guess. Well, we can give our two cents for the New York Film Critics Circle Awards as those were handed out yesterday on, uh, I almost said October, Mike, December 2nd, as we record this on the 3rd. <laughs> is well, it a weekday? We... No, yeah. <laughs> is, is this Russia? Saturday. Is this Russia? Is this Russia? <laughs> uh, I don't... Look, I loved a lot of these awards, and they're mm-hmm. influential, and uh, they're another they're akin to the Gotham's because they mean a lot, but also at the same time, in some categories, there's not a lot of great crossover with the Academy when it comes to NYFCC here. But man, I was disappointed by the big award at the end. But let's let's get into it. All right, number one, the New York Film Critics Circle. Did you know they dated back to 1935? Like no, I thought it was 37. No, of course. I didn't. <laughs> Well, you'd be wrong, you <laughs> jerk, you silly, you phony, you. Uh, especially, 
I I didn't realize that this was the, the New York Critics Association that is always you know cast yeah. their vote. So that's really cool. Uh, they have made some inspired picks throughout their history. I was kind of going over all their past stuff, and I'll reference some of these. They've made some. They've made some Oscar crossover. They have, and for yeah. something that comes out this early. There is a lot of Oscar crossover in term better crossover. Let's put it this way: than the documentary branch, better crossover <laughs> than any other critical branch. And My niece has better Oscar crossover than the documentary <laughs> branch. I mean, you could, yeah, you could flip a coin and be right half the time, right? And the documentary yeah. branch is much worse. All these critics' <laughs> choice. They roll twenty-sided dice like they're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Oh my God, it's terrible. Yeah. Anyway, so. Use that as a uh, caveat to everything we're, we're going to say here. But some of these crossovers are solid, at least for nominations. Uh, let's start out and mention the special award. Jafar Panahi of uh, No Bears, uh, to reminder, he's a director jailed right now by the Iranian government for making films that criticize the Iranian government. So a heroic stand by him. Yeah, a very stable government by uh, mm. what a bunch of... Ch- I mean, <laughs> it's, it's good that... That story has become so seeped into different areas. I mean, movie making with Jafar Panahi here. It's it was a huge talking point for the World Cup when the U.S. played Iran and Iran's refusal to uh, to sing the national anthem and all the uh, rumors about whether or not government officials were threatening them in the locker room, et cetera, et cetera. So this is it's an important story. I think it's actually been undercovered by our media. Right. Uh, the revolution that's going on in Iran. So the more spotlight that any outlet, even as one as small as ours, can give it, I think the better. Uh, After Sun won Best First Film, and the last five winners of this category would all either go on to Oscar nominations, Lost Daughter, uh, Get Out, or big moments later in the season. 40-year-old version was a BAFTA nom. Mm -hmm. Atlantics, 8th grade. 8th grade won the Writers Guild. Atlantics, I believe, was a Globe Globe nom. Had a couple of moments. So Best First Film, After Sun showing up everywhere. I do think that could be an indicator. Charlotte Wells, Paul Mescal are certainly two people that have broken through and had big uh, years, big award seasons thus far because of that movie. So I would not be surprised to see them. Wouldn't be surprised to see Mescal be nominated this year. Wouldn't be surprised to see Charlotte Wells be nominated uh, in the near future. I mean, she could be that inspired screenplay pick for somebody Mm -hmm. that's on the rise. Or, yeah, I mean, Mescal, it's a a wide-open acting category, as we've discussed. Uh, Animated feature went to Marcel the Shell with shoes on, Michael. And the last five here have been Mitchells versus Machines, Wolf Walkers, I Lost My Body, Spider vs. Coco. Yes, they've, they've picked kind of the critical favorite up to this point. And they've, I mean, I lost my body. That's a good, that's a good, uh, pick right there in terms of getting the Oscar nom the surprise Oscar nom later in the season but overall they've been very consistent in the animated branch 19 of 21 uh New York film critics circle picks have gone on to Oscar nominations so that bodes well for Marcel Duchel it's the rare year where I think you would argue that a non-Disney non-Pixar film is right now the betting favorite in the animated feature category, whether you want to say it's Marcel Lachelle or you want to say it's Pinocchio, which uh, is... I want to say it's Pinocchio. Yeah, I want to say it's I wouldn't be surprised. We had another email uh, recently from a manager of a theater out in L.A. who was talking to us about our box office stuff, and I really appreciated his input there. Uh, His name was Isaac Wade. He was making the case that Pinocchio may find itself in the best picture category, which was a decent case. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, We're going to have to comment on that next week as well for yeah. sure uh, as Pinocchio hits uh, w- these parts 
right east hollywood as we like to say <laughs> uh the nonfiction film doc- documentary went to all the beauty and the bloodshed i don't so. care i'm done with this anyway i'm sick of it every every other week it's all the, all the beauty and bloodshed the leader in the category all the beauty and bloodshed gets gets upset in the category well, i don't care all that breathes <laughs> won the last thing yeah all the, yeah who knows but the, look the new york film Critics circle has at least picked six films in a row that got nominated at the oscars so good for you <laughs> foreign language film they should change that title went to yes. eo that's the donkey movie that Little donkey movie i can't wait to see by the way i haven't seen it yet but their last uh they've they've gone seven out of the last 10 worst person in the world parasite cold war tony erdman have been a couple picks by them that have gone on to uh international feature noms there michael yeah it's 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 one that uh again as far as international features go, as far as documentary features go, you are my litmus test. So if you haven't gotten to it, I feel safe being reserving comment on it. It's a movie about a donkey, and it's only going to be a movie about a donkey. How they didn't get Nelly's song to play the credits, though. I feel like that's a real missed opportunity. This, yeah, but <laughs> but look, Michael, maybe you will actually see this one because it's just this weird. You, don't you like weird fucking movies? Sorry that swear. are under two and three quarters hours. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird. It's short. <laughs> you love animals. I more do more than people. I thought, you, I thought you, Good you Night Oppie would would fill those would fill those boxes. For you me, love animals as much, if not more, than people. A lot of oh people. Oh my goodness! Listen, <laughs> there's no qualifier there. People can go to hell. <laughs> this might be for you. Anyway, that's uh, that's EO cinematography went. To... I wanted the octopus teacher to eat the narrator. Yeah. <laughs> Cinematography. How about this award win? Yeah. Claudio Miranda of Top Gun Maverick. I said this so many times during our review. Cinematography should win because not only is it gorgeous, but they're doing it while breaking the sound barrier. If it wins cinematography and it wins one other tech, especially if that tech happens to be editing. Sound, editing, cinematography are strong right now. That's... I've I've come down I've come much more closer to your take in the last few days. Maybe it's out of desperation because I really don't want the Fablemans to win. And song could be back in in play. There's no doubt. Sure. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Something anyway, to keep an eye on. Five of the last seven picks by the New York Film Critics Circle have gone on to Oscar noms and cinematography. Moving on to screenplay, Martin McDonough won of the Banshees of Inisherin. Eleven of the last thirteen. Noms or eleven out of the last thirteen winners here at the NYFCC went on to nominations. Michael, explain to me how Banshees doesn't win Best Picture, considering the wins it had on the night for the NYFCC. Because we didn't get to it yet, but Farrell Farrell won Best Actor, right? Yeah, and the so it had the Best Actor of the Year according to them. It had the Best Screenplay of the Year, but it doesn't have the Best Picture. Oh, how it doesn't win for them? I for 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 NYFCC, yeah, because Tar is a is more New York than anything. That's why, like, your tweet made no sense to me. They're well, not I just drunk, don't understand. Or they're always drunk. They're always drunk, and they're like, yay, New York. I just don't understand how you can give it only one other award then. And then when you have a film doing as well, if not better, and yes, it is better because it won screenplay as well, I, I just don't get it. That should yeah. be your winner. Maybe. I mean, they they debate this like they're picking a pope. Apparently, there's they don't they put out the smoke on film Twitter, the white smoke or black smoke. What which smoke says they got a, they got the guy? 
White Smoke is the, we've picked the new pope. White Smoke. All right, so they put out White Smoke and tweet this after they they argue about it for hours, I think, in some cases. I don't know. I, and, I, I, and, was, I and wasn't following it. Like circle. Sorry. Somebody, something as serious as at New York's Film Critics Circle, at least you know these are people who have actually watched these movies. They do. They so. do do that. Yeah. But, I mean, look, the Banshees of Inisherin was a festival darling, so this makes sense. Tar is a festival darling. We're, we're getting there. So those those make sense. Uh, supporting actress, this is cool. Kiki Palmer was of so nope. excited. Now their track record is interesting in yes. supporting actress because they have gone out on a limb. Like Catherine Hunter, Tragedy of Macbeth was last year's pick. Maria Bakalova was not a front runner fan. Uh, you know, she not was a all. fan favorite. She was a yep. critic's pick. She she got some momentum from the New York Film Critics Circle when, when she won for Borat too. Yes, they picked Laura Dern, Regina King, but they've gone out on a limb for like Krista, Kristen Stewart in the past, Tiffany Haddish before that so they've picked some winners and they've picked they've gone off the and picked some fan favorites and critical favorites 14 of 22 is their track record I, this was the most excited i was from these i mean kiki palmer she i think she needed- i just want you to brace for impact though because supporting actress as i'm going to document later in the episode so crowded i'm rooting for her too I'm, oh, it's worried. Wide open. Yeah. I'm worried for everybody in supporting actress yeah why well, I, I agree with that take i mean she's you know, I don't think she's the front runner by any means, but I just want—I would love to see her land nomination. But yeah, I agree with you. It's a—it's a wide open field. In supporting actor, uh, Ki Hui Kwan of Everything Everywhere All at Once continues his great week. By the way, mm-hmm. uh, sixteen of the last twenty-two supporting actors winning here have gone on to Oscar nominations. So that's again—he looks like the leader now in the category. I think it's fair to say that when it when it's coming from a film as highly touted as Everything Everywhere All at Once, so to call him a front runner, I think, is now apt after he dazzled everybody with that speech at the Gothams. And I know not everybody watches the Gothams, but we love this campaign. We love this actor who's making the comeback. This makes sense in a category that has yet to kind of reveal itself in supporting actor, I would say. I don't see how you can't call him the front runner right now. I mean, especially after this week, right? He, he he's got to be the guy, no? Yeah, watch. Now we'll get Vegas odds because we we <laughs> haven't gotten Vegas odds for supporting actor yet. I think there's some more clarity on this category, at least yeah. if they're listening. You and I, he's the front runner, so that's fair to say. Now we'll see what happens going forward, but it's cool. It's I hope he goes a distance. I really do. Yeah. Anyway, in lead actor, it was a surprise. Uh, Brendan Fraser was the runner up, but Colin Farrell won the category, and they mentioned after Yang and the Banshees of Inna Sharon. I do wonder if this is going to become a critical situation where our critics pick. I wonder if Farrell's going to become the critics pick because I know there's some polarizing views in the critics' world for the whale, so will Farrell benefit from that in a way? I don't know. Do we worry about the whale at this point? I'm worried about the whale in the sense that yeah, I am worried about the whale. I'm gonna. I'm worried about the whale in the sense that I'm not sure it's going to connect with mainstream audiences. You and I, that's a blind spot for us right now. We have not seen it yet. We missed our opportunities up till now. Uh, I have seen The Banshees of Inna Sharon. Colin Farrell is terrific, and I rewatched that. He's he's excellent. I come away even loving his performance all the more. It's a strange best actor winning performance, though. I will be honest with you there. It's some comedy. He's 
laid back at times. He's doing all the little nuances. It's an actor's actor performance, but it's in, it's in a weird freaking movie. So I don't know what this means. Anyway, 14 out of the last 22, uh, like supporting actress, that's the crossover and lead actor. So Gotham's goes actress. That's not Kate Blanchett. NYF FCC goes actor for the, they have separate categories, separate gendered categories. They pick Colin Farrell over Brendan Fraser. David Long is sweating is what you're about to say. That's what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, and he was so high on that movie and so high on, <laughs> he said that the performance was good enough that it could have dragged even Aronofsky to a director nomination, which was something that stuck out to me. And now I'm wondering if, well, he's know, seen it. We haven't seen it. So well, maybe it's, I, it's, shut I up. mean, are the tea leaves reading that Frazier might be the lone nominee representative? which could be equally as dangerous for his Oscar odds. No, I think makeup and hair is probably a safe okay. nomination. No, uh, I mean, just guessing people are, I would think maybe they're outraged by the makeup. Yeah. I don't know by the prosthetics. Yeah. Maybe they're not. I don't know. It sounds mm-hmm. like that, that was done very, that was, I was, I was pressing him for that. I was like, are right. we at least going to get two, which is right. plenty nowadays. Right. No, anyway, it's, it's enough to win. Yeah. Lead actress went to Kate Blanchett of tar, they are 15 of the last 22 here. They're 0 for the last four, though. And then they were 7 for 8, New York Film Critics Circle. So the last four, four winners didn't even land nomination? Gaga, Sidney Flanagan, Never Rare, Sometimes Always, Lupita Nyong'o of Us, Regina Hall from Support wow. the Girls. Last four winners. So I don't necessarily think Kate Blanchett's in danger of not getting nominated. Probably not. Yeah, be very surprised. Yeah. I think she's going to get the Daniel Day-Lewis treatment, at least in terms of Phantom Thread, let's say, right? One yeah. of his more recent films that where he didn't win, probably should have, in my opinion. But anyway, Kate Blanchett will get in. Will she win is another question. This is this is a help, and let's see if she really takes the critic's crown. Like, it seems could happen. Like, I would have bet on happening throughout this award season. But if we have Michelle Yeoh winning like all the indies, that's keeping her alive. And then, you know, who knows if uh, Danielle, I'm sorry, Michelle Yeoh just lost the Gotham's in my brain. Yeah. I would have picked Michelle Yeoh winning last week from the indies and I would have been wrong. It seems like we have four in that category and lead actress right now as far as people I mean, they're not locks, obviously, to be nominated, but yeah. four pretty well established, at least, as far as favorites for nomination in, Blanch- in Blanchett, Michelle Williams, Yo, and Danielle Deadweiler right now with anyway, win at the Gothams. You know how you know you have an ego problem? When mm-hmm. your prediction for the <laughs> awards win, Michelle Yo, if I, if I had given out my prediction, I would have bet on Michelle Yo winning the Gothams, and I would have been mm-hmm. wrong. But mm-hmm. my prediction was seeped in my head so much that I right. now made a fact. I believed my own lie and i forgot that daniel deadweiler won and i forgot but i was i was feeling good because this I was is how it should have gone damn this it. is how it should have gone and this is how it i forget no, it this is how it went as far as i'm concerned no of course not yeah you're right i think uh i think we got four like actor well actor i, th- I think we got three certain but f- actress we probably got four yeah. Probably betting favorites for nomination right now is how I would turn them. I wouldn't be surprised if, if a couple of them missed either. Yeah, it's it's open because it's such an awesome race. Right. Uh, as for a race that I've been touting as more, much more open than people are giving it credit for, and that's Best Director, S.S. Rajamuli of RRR, 
wins this Amazing. category, Michael. This is a big win. This is a, an inspired pick from the New York Film Festival. Uh, New York Film Festival. A lot of them went to the New York Film Festival at NYFCC. Campion Zhao were the last two. The Safdie brothers won for Uncut Gems, though, three years ago. So they will make cool-ass picks like S.S. Rajamuli here. Sean Baker won five years ago. Three of the last five were nominated. Five of the last seven. 16 of the last 22, ultimately, overall. And eight of the last 10. What a fun win. And I thought at this point, I'm thinking, wow, Tar is really underachieving. No screenplay, no director, only Blanchett. Hmm. And right? then, yeah. And then it wins Best Picture. But they spread the love. I mean, that's not that's not super shocking that uh, a Critics Association will spread the love. Sure, I agree. But, it, I mean, they don't work like academies necessarily. These are critics whose job, one of their main jobs, is to do film promotion, I would say. So I, th- I do think they tend to spread the love more than not. I mean, we'll see, we'll see a Critics Association go heavy on certain films, and we'll see that coming up. And that's, that's easier to actually report on. Maybe that's why you're, you're getting screwy with that, because when I do all my summaries, I'll, I'll group just for our presentation. Ah, Atlanta went big for this, and New York went big for that. Yeah, but if I have misled such a you. New York, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm just surprised at the way it was. Tr- I, I, if it's the best picture, it should win more than actor or actress. I mean, there's a lot of Irish in New York. There's a lot of Guinness in New York. <laughs> there's a okay. lot of fighting tigers and lions in the street. No, uh, I don't know where it's I was overrun. going. Then. Overrun. The Bronx Zoo has gone wild. <laughs> there's a lot of multiverse action mm-hmm. and uh, UFOs. Clearly. Right. So it's New York, man. There's a lot of everything, as Robert Downey Sr. just said. Welcome to New York. Best film went to Tar, like you're like you're trying to transition desperately, and I'm not letting you. Best film went to Tar. Uh, Thirty of eighty-eight winners in the New York FCC's history went on to win Best Picture. Four since 2000. Uh, nine since 1980. Thirty going back all the way. Recent winners include. Drive My Car, First Cow, Irishman, Roma, and Lady Bird. That's the last five. So for nominations, we are 10 of the last 12. First Cow was the lone miss in the last five years. And we are 38 of the last 52, Michael, which is 74%. What do you think of TAR's best picture chances based on my statistics? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I really, I don't know what to make of this. I would think they probably feel better now than they did coming out of the Gothams, hmm. you would say? So if Tar winds up on AFI, NBR, wins New York Film Critics Circle yes. after next week, you're feeling better? I would think so. I mean, wouldn't you if you were behind that movie, if you were Todd Field? Totally. But we, you know, we've seen First Reform show up on everybody's list in years past. Point. It's a good you know, point. First Cow, First Cow was doing well. Yeah. Uh, is this a first cow, though? I think I feel like this is bigger than a first cow, but that was a weird year again, right? And... I feel like this has a lot of critic support, Tar. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to translate to the Academy. I'm, I mean, Kate Blanchett's so respected, I would expect it to, but mm-hmm. and Todd Field as well. But I, I just... I don't, it's just a weird. It, this was a weird outcome for me. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe I don't even know why I'm so down on it. I haven't seen Tar yet, but like... You might be the kind of, let me just say, temperament who would would love love this movie. movie. (laughs) 
I'm, you know, I texted. Yeah, I did. I texted Mike the other day. You're the kind of miserable fuck that would love this freaking movie, bro. That's what I was. That's my text message to you in that voice and in my brain. I'm laughing to myself like you miserable bastard. You will love this. And like you said, I mean, the New York Film Critics Circle, they tend to pick miserable not the movies. movies. <laughs> Drive my car first. Cow Irishman Roma Lady Bird last five. Yeah. Come on. Zero yeah. Dark Thirty was in there before that. La Jesus. La Land. American Hustle. Yeah. Boyhood. Social Network was their big crowd pleaser. I belong in this film. film yeah, you're the, you're the circle. You're the circle I'm of the circle. mania. Anyway, I got to make the case for a couple of movies here before. Yeah, let's we run go through out. some reviews. Let's start with Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. I'm jealous that you went. You actually found the time to get the theaters to see this. I have not. What do you think, Mike? Well, I think the comedy was really good. I think the script was very funny. I think the characters are. I love them. I love them all. They're all hateable, and I. They, they, they're played with relish. They're all satirical. They're all played by these great actors. They're all lovable somehow, even though they're hateable. I mean, it's really well done. Like, Ed Norton's terrific in this movie. Mm -hmm. So, ultimately, I enjoyed hanging out with this band of Looney Tunes. And when everything else unravels, it is fun. So, that's the ultimate review here. There aren't many superlatives per se. Like I don't I don't come out of Glass Onion banging the table like it's got to be nominated for this or it's got to be nominated for that. Unfortunately, I come out and I'm like this was a good time at the movies. And yes, I kind of agree with Ann Thompson. It was a great popcorn film. Now, what's the difference between that and Top Gun? I know you're saying to you're, you're going to question me on. Yes. It's a big difference because Top Gun there are superlatives. Like I've never seen this shit being filmed in midair like that i've never seen two offenses going against each other in dogfight football i've never seen mustaches <laughs> like that and abs like oh, over at and anyway no look at this was a really good movie i don't know if it I had was all listening the so intently too and like <laughs> trying to get some in introspection from you <laughs> If I mess, this is a segment where I have to go yada yada yada. I'm trying to mess with well, you. Is, for it, some is reason. it formulaic? Like, is it? Why is this? What's the difference between? No, why was at, the first one a screenplay player? The first, I I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil. Well, it. Well, first of all, what, were you right? I don't know. Okay, I don't, I don't remember okay. what I said. I don't know if I'm right. Well, so like, I'm in, not going to give anybody. I, I, I meant, I meant more in the theater watching the movie. As you got a prediction, were you right? No, here's here's what happened during the movie. Okay. I didn't care as much about the who done it. I enjoyed the film as a popcorn film. So okay. I don't know if that helps or hurts or spoils or doesn't. I, I it's not like that movie where you're so driven to know what happened, right? It's not that who who done it mystery driving force. It's more of a crowd pleaser and an actioner in a bizarre, you know, crazy night. You know, it all happened in one crazy night kind of mm -hmm. film. Anyway, rowdy crowd, packed theater, fun, did big box office for a, a short amount, of, a, a small amount of theaters in terms of the count. I yeah, think it's I like mean, this, put, this put the pavements to shame. Glass Onion is a super high B, low B plus. I'll probably have to see it again. And you know what? I'll be happy to watch it again on Netflix. So it's fun. 
Glass Onion is fun. That's my review. <laughs> Netflix has to be laughing all the way to the bank right now with having, I mean, this killed the Fablements at the box office. Yeah. Something like a 7X return, 6X return over the, what the Fablements did. And yeah, I mean, Netflix has a whole new revenue source here. They could put a high-profile thing in the theaters for a week. They even came out, one of their executives came out and said they know they realize how much money they left on the table by only putting this in the theaters for a week. I wonder I wonder if the next big Netflix film goes opens wide and, and what that means. But then so, what's the point of Netflix? <laughs> that's what they're saying to themselves, aren't they? <laughs> anyway, we can't have this discussion for a fifth time. We can't do it. Glass Onion, kudos to them. They did good business as well. You're right. Michael, we both watched Good Night. What does that say? Poop, poop, Good poppy. night, poopy. <laughs> good night, moon. Good night, poop. Good night, poopy. Yeah, have you ever been called mature? I've never been called mature. <laughs> I used to be called mature, actually. No, that is a true yeah, statement. Before this podcast started? Before this podcast started. Everybody, when I was growing up. Dealt with a complete jackass as a co-host multiple times a week. I had a hairstyle that lo- that people would, you know, oh, you're so mature. I was the oldest of five boys. I had a hairstyle that everybody's grandfather also had. Yeah, yeah. I was con- constantly being being called mature and, and then you, 40 hours a week you had to deal with you know the shark was right in deep blue sea <laughs> <laughs> no longer am i in the mature category uh-huh. you're, you're absolutely right but michael we both watched goodnight oppie and uh no i'm eager to hear what you thought sucked <laughs> oh, it was bad i look I, I mean i get it and i understand how difficult that is to do they decided to go with the recreation aspect of it instead of just relying wholly on historical footage mm-hmm. i i don't what they did is amazing right yeah. i mean these and it's it's a nerd fest it's a bunch of nasa nasa scientists <laughs> who to are clearly over invested in their work and this rover and i mean what they do is it, it, it's mind-blowing i can't i have no idea how you actually but boring dance, but nerd God, alert boring. it was so boring <laughs> it was so boring you were bored all right uh look at i watched this movie and i didn't really have like a i didn't really have strong feelings in either way i was coming away i was like c plus b minus that was me and then mm-hmm. yeah your your review was pretty hilariously slanted to me i was like I feel like they bungled the first 20 minutes to where they tried to follow too sto- too many storylines like they got an ensemble group of subjects everybody that it worked It does take a while to get into the oppy of it all yeah and they they kind of yada 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 all of oh well we did all the testing and they all they showed was the robot in the one room I was like wait a minute all the testing but then what was the most bizarre thing is that like we got like all this rushed exposition and then next thing i know i'm watching this man break down and ugly cry in the nasa control room and we're all like i'm like i have no emotional attachment to this guy right i just feel like he was the guy that said he ate peanuts for luck right and then he's it's it's tough to like Watch I didn't get a to know a grown him. man cry over a robot with no connection to either when, the robot nor the grown man. When they like looked back at like because they, they did at the end of the movie they did like a montage of all the crazy things that they've been through with these robots and at that point I was more invested. I'm like, sure. oh yeah, you know what? I got to know this guy a little bit more. But I also got to know his whole team in its positioning in the movie. By that point, I couldn't have given a shit less. I I was kind of in a similar vein. So when. You know? So when people tout this movie as 
like one of the better documentaries of the year. I'm a little surprised to hear that. Like I'm I feel... very surprised. Well, just based on how it's made, too. Like it's a historical, it's an archival footage doc. A lot of it. Yeah. And I so... also, I also, and 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 they're basically CGIing the right. stuff that they didn't, which is you got to be extremely talented to do that. Obviously, of course, of course, but Amazon. that's not usually how. And the story isn't. Compared to other documentary features that have been front runners or won the award, I don't think this story holds up as far as compelling goes, and and like getting you involved. So I'm just surprised this is, is treated as such a front runner, I guess, or such a, you know, it's won a couple things. I just thought the structure of it was odd. It was. They come to the climactic moment of the mission around mid movie, like this is right. the smoking gun that they found evidence on Mars in the middle of the movie. And then like, we're just left with the, the character part, but I've heard podcasters talk about their parents watching this sobbing, crying the whole movie. Now, God bless them. Like, that's great. I maybe they might have so much more information that right. we don't have. Like if you are a NASA, you know, historian, if you are and a I feel robotics like that's, person, that's, that's a good, you know, if you're not to, dumb to rubes to. like us. Well, right. well, I mean, people who are invested in space travel are, like, invested in space travel. So I, people we respect right. love this movie, and it made them extremely emotional. And we're dead inside. No, I'll, on... I'll never feel that way about space travel. No, I mean, the closest at... I'll get is Apollo 11. <laughs> look at you and me. You loved Apollo 11. Right. But you and me, we know nothing about the subject. And for them, the yada yada, some of the points that we probably needed... Or just I feel go like I could put something into space and make it land on Mars. That's it seems no. like the thing drove around. <laughs> seemed like the thing drove around for a while, picked up a few rocks, didn't we get hit. We should move on. We're, we're yeah, insulting we're, we're, somebody at this we're point. We're insulting so many good people, good smart people that could take us down easily. <laughs> good point. Good point. Anyway, I'm just. I was surprised that this was the same. pick for the Critics' Choice Very Documentary Awards. They have had the taste of the tastemakers that have ultimately been rejected, as I've covered many times by the documentary feature branch, which apparently we're turning into. Somebody, who said that on on, on Twitter? Like, you're becoming the documentary feature Oh, branch. yeah. That was, uh, I laughed so hard when I read that. So well, hard. I mean, I, I appreciate you including me in that, but that is you. That is all you and the work you've done in that category in the past you, few years. Much to your own mental detriment. I would no, say. but you... You have the spirit of the documentary film branch as much <laughs> as I, true. but that's why it was so that funny because you could take that in any which way. Uh, and I was just, I was laughing so hard. I got, I'm yeah. looking up this man's name because he's a very loyal listener. Was it Pedro? Pedro. Yes, yeah. it was Pedro. Of course it was Pedro. Uh, she said, you revisited, she said, I still, I, you know what it is, Mike? Well, I haven't gotten to a lot of these because every movie I've seen, I've been so down on. And I'm just, I don't want to like, just keep being down on things. <sighs> what was the last time you really loved a movie? Like this year's movie? House of Gucci. Stop it. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> what was, seriously. Come on. This year. Uh, I mean, Scream you liked. I'd have to, I'd have to pull up my uh, my list. Yeah, you, you, get, you pull up that list. Aren't I supposed to review like five movies next? Weird. Wakanda Forever, I liked a lot. Yeah. All right. Fresh, just, I liked. Yeah, but you just take the losses so hard. Can we just say that? You take them hard. I do. 
you got to go easier, man. Like, you should have seen she said. I, I want to. You I'm wanted just, to, and I'm, you're I'm, just afraid to. You're I'm afraid. Scared to. I'm scared to. That's absolutely You're scared. Right. You're scared mm. to, to hate it and then have to walk back all the things you said on Twitter supporting mm-hmm. it, which you've done so righteously because people should support it. What are you doing? Like, see, she said. By the seashore? Mm-hmm. My rewatch, let me just say, was better because I reviewed it the How first dare time. You not acknowledge that joke. That was a decent joke. <laughs> I was waiting for you to do it. I was just expecting it. Okay. You, I actually set it up earlier, <laughs> and you didn't go for it, so I was annoyed with you. Okay. She said, "Rewatch. Here's the cool, the coolest uh, thing about uh, she said. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets it all right. Just like oh. again, righteously right, bang the table right." You're watching heroes in real life play the, replay and reprise their actual roles in this movie. Some of the sources are in the movie, which is just like mind-boggling. How do, how do they do that? How, right. how, how could they? They're just, again, ch- champions, legendary stuff here. So that's, again, worth the price of the, making the movie just to get that unique experience in the film. Oh, sure. my God. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. So that's awesome. It's also, you know, a lot of the big journalism movie genre moments are in here which works and i i've had fun re-watching spotlight and all the president's men uh along after she said because this movie put me in the mood to re-watch those films so that it was, is one of the uh one of my favorite categories the journalistic expose category i love it too man genre so film yeah i, I want to watch the insider again i even like the state of play movie with russell crowe which is not a great movie have you you that rewatch one? that one a lot? I rewatch that one a lot. At least I just want a journalism. I want a talky movie about the freedom of the press. That's what I want in my life. I, That's where I I'm at. No, if I've seen, I think I have. Yeah, I have seen that. Anyway, yeah, she Wasn't, said is hey, awesome. Hey, have you seen Glass? Did you watch Glass? Glass? What? You should watch Glass. Glass is uh, M Night Shyamalan's sequel uh, to Split. No, absolutely not. <laughs> It's actually Hayden Christensen in probably his best role ever. I have but, not uh, seen Glass. No. It's it's very good. It fits in this genre. But go ahead. All right. Uh, she said as a ton of narrative propulsion. I think again, like Goodnight Oppie, it bungles some of the exposition. Like I just the way other films have handled exposition, you know, especially in this genre, has been so tip top. I mean how many screenplay i mean the last one that did it spotlight won the screenplay award and then so it's hard it's a hard it's hard to get to that level and then pakula did like the weirdest transitions like he just went over the top of you know cars driving around washington dc and that's your transition so this kind of went anti-expositional sometimes this movie bungles exposition. It is so. Do you so think they awkward. rely too much on the uh, the recency of it all? They they respect the the recency. The recency of it all makes it so much more infuriating because I know it all already. I've I've read all the books. I've right. I've watched all the. And then for these two characters to have to go and not only give me the recency reports on what's happened, but also to like say, oh, and Trump's president now, and oh, and. That just drove me up a wall. Now, mm. I'm forgiving the movie of those things because the movie transcends it because ultimately the emotional payoffs are there. I think this film actually creates heroes out of the sources more than the sorcerers in, in the sense of the uh, journalists, but you still have 
you know, you, Carrie Mulligan's a hero. Zoe Kazan is a hero coming right. out of this movie. It's awesome the way they're portrayed. Patricia Clarkson's character is hilariously, ridiculously one note and it might should have been cut. It was so bad. It was <laughs> not, so bad. Not good for she my just uh, walks too, in way too she, early Oscars prediction. She just goes in and she walks in a room and she's like, where are you at with those sources? Did you get anybody on the record yet? See? <laughs> terrible just like stuff like that bothered me and it's a it's unfortunate because she's a great actress and you wonder if all of her stuff got lost on the cutting room floor but i will say like zoe kazan i come away from that watch saying hey she should be in contention for lead actress and then yeah i mean carrie mulligan i'm looking at what the hell are we going to do in supporting actress mike let me just run this down before we go kiki palmer stephanie sue and Jamie Lee Curtis of Everything Everywhere All at Once. Kiki Palmer of Nope. Tuso Mbedu and, for my money, Lashana Lynch from The Woman King. Yeah. But I don't think Lashana Lynch is necessarily involved. But Nina Haas. So Mbedu, Haas, Curtis, Sue, Palmer. They've been my five forever. And then I see Angela Bassett in Wakanda Forever. God, yeah. Terry Mulligan and She Said. Mm-hmm. Terry Condon and Banshees. Those eight are as strong a supporting actress grouping as anything, and we haven't even talked about Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, women talking. Oh, Who knows? Francis McDormand may be in that group. Dolly DeLeon is a favorite of many in Triangle of Sadness. Anne Hathaway in Armageddon Time, very good. Janelle Monet, if she is in fact supporting in Glass Onion, which is preposterous because she's the lead character in the film. Right. Right there, she deserves it. Uh, Hong Chow is deserving it out of the trailer work she's doing in The Whale, never mind what she probably does in the film. Sadie Sink is supposedly, is she lead actress maybe, but she's she's getting a lot of rave reviews. Gabrielle Union from The Inspection. Gene Smart in the cast of Babylon may have a few uh, additions to the supporting actress race. That's 17 legitimately Good nominatable God. performances. 17. And, and there's no be- front runner. Jennifer Ailey, Samantha Morton are doing some of their best work, and she said in here, and I can't even get to them. And then you have fan favorites. You have a fan favorite like Rachel Sennett, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. She has no chance. Yeah. (laughs) What a category this year. Supporting actress has become the most loaded category of the year. It's well, it's it's loaded because it's so open. Like there's no hierarchy right now. That's kind of. I mean, I guess Angela Bassett is maybe the name I've heard most often. Because of pundits, yeah. But. I mean, there's no, it's not like she's winning every award that's happened so far. Supporting actress can go any which direction, and I would believe it. So Kiki Palmer, Angela Bassett's the punditry. Kiki Palmer's won something, and we shall see who wins everything else. We have Does no Carrie idea. Does Carrie Mulligan's campaign get hurt by how this flopped at the box office? Yes, it also gets hurt by the category fraud, or does it? We've seen category fraud actually help. I don't think the Academy gives a single shit about category fraud. I think it's a made-up talking point for film Twitter. But she's got so many nuanced nuanced uh, scenes in here. She's also got the big emotional scenes. It's, it's awesome. It, her performance is incredible. Does she have some terrible exposition that she's got to just... And there's also, like, there's one scene at the end of the movie. It's like, oh, let me take your temperature on the whole movie up till now. <laughs> Let's go through that scene. I wish we got more people on the record. Thank you. But they have to do the play-by-play to catch you up, I guess. So scenes like that bother me, and that's what holds She Said back a little bit. Probably keeps it in the B range for me instead of B+. But I'm, I'm still a big fan. I hope people support it. I hope they watch it at, on Peacock at the very least when it comes out there. Or I will do that. I promise you. 
I hope some people do this. <laughs> yes. This could be a unique year for me because I may end up watching every one of these nominated movies from my home, which is going to be a disaster. Yeah. What are you doing? Uh, no, I mean, you've gone to the movies a, a lot. You're, there's you're, been a you're, lot of shit going on. You're exaggerating <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah. Um, anyway, stop betting on so many games. Well, it's not. It's that's. I say that tongue in cheek, but there's been more than that going on. Yes. Anyway, Bitter Brush. I wanted to give a shout out. This is a Hulu documentary about cowgirls wrangling cattle, uh, cattle in the American West. These two women are legendary badasses, number one. Watching them work was joyous. I couldn't believe what they're doing. It's a terrific dog movie, Bitter Brush, because dogs are herding these cat- cattle and they're the greatest dog owners ever because it's working humans working side by side with dogs. And this is hilarious when I'm sitting side by side with dog who only just <laughs> sleeps and barks at me for food. I'd love to me... see your dog and my dog, Russ, try to herd cattle. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, but then the, speaking of dogs, Bitter Brush is set in the landscape of the power of the dog essentially mm-hmm. even though it's not in australia it's in you know montana the fake setting of the power of the dog right. which is just absolute i mean that country sure is purdy and then i think one of these characters like delivered more profound life advice than i've ever gotten from any documentary sure is shit that i've ever gotten from any cowgirl in my life let me just say that <laughs> I mean, her stance on her occupational and family history, her stance on her family. I have no idea what her politics are. (laughs) So famous last words. She might be a horrible person. But anyway, I want to do City Slickers with you now, Mike. That's what I want to do. We're going to do City Slickers. (laughs) We got to find our curly. We got to find our curly. Uh, So I watched Bitter Brush. I watched Senior on Netflix, which is about Robert Downey Jr.'s father, Robert Downey Sr., adorable hilarious really funny really snappy good pacing to this doc shorter than two hours i think it's an hour and 38 by the way Uh, i was not familiar with robert downey senior's film directing career so you get that whole retrospective on all his wild and weird and progressive indie films and it's it's a fun movie to kind of go throughout his filmography uh and it's also very i I don't want to keep using the word meta but these guys know they're making a documentary about making a documentary and they're questioning about why they're making a documentary about themselves so it's kind of fun in that way it's kind of like stutz in that way two black and white documentaries on netflix recently that have been very good and yeah it's just senior is an easy b plus and it's it's emotional it's enriching it's fun it's funny it's entertaining Watch that one. Yeah, Netflix stays uh, hitting with their documentaries. Whether you want that, whether you want the uh, Pepsi Where's My Jet, that which has been a fun uh, recap of that legal case, or the uh, I just finished watching the um, the one where the bodybuilder killed her husband. They got a mm. lot of great true crime stuff on there too. Obviously, so you've been watching yeah. docu series. That's what you've been doing with your time. Some of them, yeah. Uh, you know, we covered documentary films. Just though, staring right? into the abyss has been another thing I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what would help with that? Watch the Guardians of the Galaxy's holiday special, Michael. I, I pronounce it like you pronounce Star, the Stars War. Uh, <laughs> but the Guardians holiday special might be the best anything I've watched in two months. Hilarious. 40 minutes. I, I couldn't believe they stuck so much comedy, so much emotion, so much corny Christmas music in that 40 minutes. But they did. It's following Mantis and Drax. Go watch that. Uh, watch that on Disney+. Plus. And... That transitioned into our final segment because Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 released a trailer. I don't want to see this. 
I'm throwing my hat across the room. I'm wearing a hat. I'm throwing it. I have such a just bad taste in my mouth with anything Chris Pratt related right now. And it's a me problem. You are biased. totally subjected. You are biased. (laughs) Well, can't you? Listen, shouldn't your Chris Pratt bias be overridden by your Dave Bautista bias in the other direction? Did you hear him say let's go as Mario in that second trailer for Mario? The Mario it, movie. It was bad. Yeah, it was bad. That, I'm not going to disagree with you. Throw up in my hat. I'm my not going to disagree <laughs> with you. But when they walk off the spaceship and they say, We come in peace to the set of Bojack Horseman <laughs> in real life, and then Drax throws the, the ball yes, at the girl's head for some reason, we don't know. And then the angry rabbit man goes, Nanu nada. <laughs> Which I'm going to just text you from now on when I'm mad at you. <laughs> nanu nada. Angry at you. That's what you're getting. You're going to get nanu nada text from me. It's going to be funny for a week before it's really annoying. You know what the best part of that exchange is, too? Is how offended Drax is when somebody throws something at him. <laughs> it's great. I, I mean, the, the Drax, I won't give away the joke. I was going to read the joke. But the Drax joke to end the trailer, too, might be one of the funnier yeah, of the franchise. I do really love good. Dave Bautista. You're right. I'm coming back around on this. I don't understand the the premise. Still reeling from the loss of Gamora, Peter Quill rallies his team to defend the universe in one of their own, a mission that could mean the end of the Guardians if not successful. Gamora is featured in this trailer. She is featured in this trailer, so it's kind of a spoilerific premise that we get Gamora there. I mean, they're, they're, they're letting us know. I mean, why does this group have to be centered around a 40 year old white guy we don't know but i guess they're still dealing with movies that in the movie industry that has to center as many movies as possible (laughs) around a 40 year old white guy but this clearly is rocket's backstory like we're getting we're this is going to be a rocket storyline no it looks that way i'm i'm okay with that i think that's that's an intriguing character to to kind of investigate and the fact that his best buddy in this storyline seems to be an otter that's the same as him. <laughs> Might be the funniest effing thing ever. No? I like. There were moments of laugh out loud comedy, as there have been for the Guardian series throughout this. Yes, I agree. The right. space hog theme, The in the meantime, being dubbed up and like modernized, I really like too. So this is, this is a snappy trailer, but it's a Marvel trailer. Of course it is. I wonder what this means for Marvel going forward, though, because now we're getting to the point where we're losing... All of the people we've known, all the legacy characters. I don't think Chris Pratt's coming back anytime soon after this. Hmm. Oh, James Gunn obviously isn't. James Gunn's gone. Yeah, He's gone. Poof. DC. All right. Well, I worked my yin on your yang. Wait, wait, that didn't come out right. uh, (laughs) No, no, no. That's that's, that's what happened. That's what happens when we're off. I worked my yin on your yang (laughs) as best as I could. I'm Uh, looking forward to you being negative about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, though. Eerily close to Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny <laughs> in terms of titles. Yes, agree. And Dial Maybe Dave Grohl will be in this one too. A Dial of Destiny just sounds like an old man, eighty-year-old man, flipping the volume, you know, turning the volume <laughs> louder on his headset, at his television set, the old picture, nineteen nineties television set. Right, as he's going, huh? <laughs> Which honestly, if that were the movie, I'd understand at this point. He's eighty years old. He's 80 years old. This movie is animated. This is an animated yeah, film. And yeah. I love James Mangold. I think he could do action films. I don't know if he could do an animated action film. This is so cartoony. Tell me, please tell me, God, the VFX are not done. Because if they just animated a film because he's an 80-year-old action star, this is going to be awful. No? 
did he not look decent at least as a young Indian? Like, I would take this age-defying technology over the Irishman. They did de-age an entire action sequence, it seems, to have a young Indy involved. Right. It didn't look terrible. But then again, it's the trailer and the debut trailer, so maybe they picked the best of it. But he's doing a Bugs Bunny Roadrunner scene where it's completely (laughs) animated backdrop. I mean, no one can duck faster than a room full of guns can shoot you in the face. That was a nice callback joke, at least, to the early indie movie. Where Man, he's, you're you know, easy. So the things, your standards are all out of whack. I'm not, I'm not, I, I have no attachment to Indiana Jones. I'm not a big fan. Of, I mean, it's whatever. All right. So watch those other movies and get an attachment to them because they're great. And I just, I don't want to see them go out like this. I understand, I, you know, King. I don't want, this movie should not be made. Was it Island of the Crystal Skull? No, this movie this movie is an apology for the last movie. That's all it is. Yeah, you're probably right. So they're gonna go back to all the Nazis and the Christianity and the Yep. Those two words in the same sentence and (laughs) I'm I'm an idiot. I'm grateful we don't have to deal with that in real life anymore. Movies can be used as an escape. Anyway, I'm looking to Phoebe Waller Bridge. She seems very cheeky. And if it's flea flea bag star becoming Movie star, I'm in for that because she was great in Fleabag. That's a little all upset say. at the lack of anything she was given in this trailer, though. Like she has a couple of looks, but she doesn't really have like a moment to suggest that this is going to be her movie, which I was looking forward to. I'm her godfather. Is the how the trailer ended? <laughs> just seems like it's going to be a lot of scenes where he gets frustrated and he just yells at people. Yeah, which I'm is not... like every old man. No, I'm not. We're over for 2 for me for trailers. I know I was defending that one, but I'll tell you what, though. We're going to finish 1 for 2 because we have our best picture front runner in this next one. Directed by Elizabeth Banks and uh, starring Ray Liotta, Carrie Russell, Alden what Iron a movie for rest in peace Ray Liotta to go out on. I'm so happy. I, I mean this legit. I'm not being sarcastic. Like, this is perfect for him. Margot Martindale, Matthew Reese, Ose Jackson Jr., Isaiah Whitlock, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Brooklyn Prince. What movie title will I say after I say all those names? <laughs> Cocaine Bear. Give this Coca- every Oscar right now. <laughs> Cocaine Bear. Listen to some of the quotes from this trailer. Uh, Beth, we should go. <laughs> Millions of dollars of cocaine fell from the sky in Knoxville, Tennessee. A lot of cocaine was lost. <laughs> Let's see what kind of effect that has on him. A fucked bear did cocaine. A bear did cocaine. Yeah. There was a bear. It was fucked. Yeah. I'll tell you you're, what, Mike. All you're doing is describing the winner of the best original screenplay to me. You're safe. Bears can't climb trees. Of course they can. <laughs> Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Give him the Oscar. Best supporting actor right there. Apex Predator, high on cocaine, <laughs> out of its mind. <laughs> we have such good luck in nature. <laughs> Those are the quotes. There's my performance. This bear puts anything in that Predator prequel to shame. <laughs> the Predator Predator prequel before Prey. No, Prey. I'm talking about Prey. No. I'm talking about Prey. <laughs> Stop it. Movie's an A minus. <laughs> You're out of your wits. No, this I can't I can't wait for this movie. Our our mutual friend and my brother texted me the trailer of this movie. Like we hadn't projected it for best picture last year. <laughs> like we're not doing our jobs. I feel like every text from him is like, You're not doing your jobs. This is the movie you should have a podcast about. Uh I'm don't you get that same? 
to see. Is that just am I projecting? No, no, I, I feel like that, but I also feel like he listens to us like six months delayed. Mm-hmm. He does have a kid now. He's got an excuse. What's no excuse? I mean, you got to have your priorities. In a order. year from now, when he listens to this podcast, <laughs> he'll remember. He'll take offense. He'll take offense. It'll text me about it. <laughs> as always, we want to hear your thoughts, specifically, as far as I'm concerned, only on Cocaine Bear and how the trailer changed your life. <laughs> no. Uh, do you have any thoughts on how the Oscars should handle broadcasting all 23 awards? Do you have any thoughts about the Will Smith, uh, Trevor Noah interview or about anything that happened at NYFCC? You can leave us those as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire on our social medias. As always, we are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcasts or spotify app if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review on either of those apps uh it would take about 10 seconds out of your day it would make our entire day thank you to everyone who has done so thus far thank you to the people who are who featured us in their spotify rap that was very humbling and fun to see and we hope yes. to keep giving you more more, uh, more reasons to tune in in the new year as well uh michael let's tell the good people what's coming next let's have some words of wisdom to get out of here on well, you've stated the words of wisdom. It is wise to thank our audience and, mm. and so many people trying to help us grow this show, uh, which matters most of all, as we've learned from movie marketing. So if you like our show, word of mouth, social media, all that stuff matters so much, and we thank you guys for it. What's coming next? We have Emancipation and Pinocchio hitting streaming the end of next week. We have the NBR and AFI Top 10, some of their awards coming out the end of next week as well. The beginning of next week, we got BIFA, we got IDA's winners I think in the middle of the week we got the satellite awards dropping for the beginning of the week as well so there's a lot of Oscar race checkpointing to do maybe Mike will watch a movie We'll see. I don't know. Will you watch a movie? <laughs> um, no, you. I, you're breaking your balls. I'm starting to get. I'm starting to get worried. Like the, you're, you're legitimately avoiding certain films uh, mm-hmm. that are that are. I'm I'm getting rattled by mm-hmm. the, your avoidance. But uh, and then the Fablements didn't help it. I knew this was going to happen. I knew <laughs> we were going to watch a movie together, and that it was going to be the Fablements, and it was going to happen anyway. Globe and Choice noms come out the week after next. Uh, so we got a lot of Oscar wow. race checkpointing to do, if I can pronounce anything to end the episode it's a lot going on so we're gonna have fun talking about it all i think it's crazy yeah we're getting to that time of year already huh feels like it was just yesterday we were is that a question yeah not at this time of year (laughs) 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 when reality sucks you can come race through the checkpoints with us here mike mike and oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness we will see you all very soon see ya